Good evening from Los Angeles, ladies, gentlemen, people that do not give a fuck. It is I, Holiday Kirk, with the New Metal Agenda with me today. ZZ. What's up? Grandfather. Good evening, everyone. The ever-elusive and always welcome Wolf Rambats. Oh, Oh, big celebrity guest alert. Oh, man, your favorite internet historian. Is historian correct? Historian, uh, I guess to some extent, yeah. Your favorite internet historian and gifter of the retweet to end your day, Justin Wang. Hey, what's going on, guys? What What's funny about my relationship here with the Justin Wang is Justin Wang was like my first celebrity benefactor. And every time Justin would retweet one of my posts, I would run to the to our little Discord and be like, guys, we just got wanged. We just got the <laughs> Wang retweet. <laughs> Yo, Hallie, it's so funny to me that people are like, at a certain point, like, I guess became like aware that I'm just like fucking up their notifications with my retweets and shit. That was like the big that was like the biggest deal ever. Yeah. Like, it was like, we blowing up, baby. We blowing up. So I remember too, like when I you were, you were like a relatively small account when I first came across you. Now you're fucking huge. Can you believe it? I think I've stagnated though, just because I've blocked like half the alt-right, probably the entire alt-right side of Twitter. Yeah. So it, you're you're still at like a hundred something now, right? 103k, but yeah. who do you think is on Twitter more, me or you? It's weird. I do it. Do you like automate your posts? No. Oh no! Shit! Hell yeah! You all thought right. I it automated? You, yeah, because it's all I didn't like measure at any point, but it always seemed like it came at like a certain interval. No, 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 no. I've always considered the timeline that I I curate, and this is the most unemployed thing you'll hear all day. I've yeah. always considered like my timeline a form of music criticism. I know, but and and like like I've tried to like sequence posts to where like you could scroll through it and be like, oh yeah, this song leads into that song, leads into this song. It could be like. Like something fun to read. Like you could just keep going through it, and uh, no, it's like it's like you got the aux, but on Twitter. Yeah, 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 kinda. But no, it's super not automated. It is extremely me working my magic through embeds and whatnot to escape the copyright issues. And uh, but I, I, you know what? We're getting ahead of ourselves. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Introduce yourself to the people that may not know. Yeah. So I'm Justin Wang. I fucking I may I have a YouTube channel called wang where the main series is tales from the internet i talk about like a lot of weird old internet stories sometimes more recent internet stories but like the big ones that people know me for i guess or the cum jar saga i'm not the guy that did the cum jar but i kind of i covered that a lot and interviewed the guy who made the jar um co <laughs> coverage of two girls one cup you know breaking the, breaking down the story actually there's some details that, that i couldn't post because it technically like turned into doxing a little bit so like I had to hold back legally on some things, but I did do that story, you what know, was, and things of that ilk. There was one. Oh, my God. It was like the dudes. This this dude was like coming in the same pair of underpants and putting. Oh, them. yeah. That one was bad. And I remember the top comment on your Instagram post of that was I just opened the app. Cause that I, is I, like what comes up first, and then your head slides into frame, and you're like, "That's not cheese." <laughs> that one actually, that one got deleted from TikTok. But thank um, God, yeah. thank God. That's been a, that's a phenomenon too, I guess. I guess because like the algorithm on, I hear it more on Twitter where I'll just retweet something really fucking foul, and the people are like, "Dude, that's the first thing I saw when I opened the app." It's like, yeah, that's that's the name of the game. You follow me. It's so the the best way someone put it. I saw is like if you follow me, it's like having the wild wasteland perk on. <laughs> oh, is uh, is that a Borderlands reference? Fallout. What is that? Fallout, Fallout, Fallout reference. Yeah. Okay. 
what is what's what is that what are you referring to what does that mean it's like it's a perk that basically if you turn it on it doesn't give you any special abilities it just increases the possibility of certain weird encounters happening well okay man now i want it which game is that in that actually sounds fun three I, in it, new vegas yeah oh uh, okay um are you full-time on yeah. this internet shit you're full-time on this internet shit yeah yeah been a few years how many so how long into it did it take you to like quit everything go full-time I think so. I remember very clearly, like the moment where I was like, "All right, I can do this full time." Was when I had made my Rotten.com video, because that one had so hit, you, it's the most you yeah, thing. Yeah, of course, that one had hit a hundred thousand views in like less than twenty four hours. So I was like, "All right, this one like that was kind of I guess the metric for me to be like, "All right, I can like drop my other shit now." But even then, like I, it was always kind of like a uh, like a. A mishmash of different side jobs like my main thing at the time was working as an extra on tv shows so then i just stopped applying for those jobs when you went full-time on the internet stuff were your bills paid it was like a seamless connection or was it at a certain like around the round.com time when it was like i, I had a few months maybe of like paying all my bills but then that was the point where it was like all right now i'm like i'm feeling feeling pretty confident now that i can do justice well, the weird thing about how like how things have changed now for the Internet and like the Internet economy, I think about this a lot, especially being on Twitter, which is just fucked, is like the way it used to be was like people would make things and things would go viral. But now mm -hmm. things go viral and then people make things like people like respond to the idea of what's viral and like churn out more content accordingly rather than come up with their own ideas. Yeah, like someone builds around, builds a concept happens and then someone, everyone kind of like builds around it. Like you see that a lot with like the main character uh, phenomenon on Twitter where someone will have like a really shitty take and then everyone has their take on that shitty take. Yeah, but also like in the TikTok and Instagram reel sphere where you're directly rewarded for feeding into what the algorithm likes to recommend. Like if you've ever gone on someone's page and seeing people commenting on a post that's gone viral, like, why do I keep seeing this? Or like, why do you keep making these? And it's literally just like, because it keeps going viral. So yeah. it, it's just interesting how like the dynamic has gotten turned upside down and people always talk now about the algorithm. Like that's like, that is a thing. And uh, I, I guess I'm just curious as to yeah. like how the full-time internet curators, or at least the ones like you who are trying to like maintain some kind of artistic voice have responded to that um like you're not going to start doing dance videos yeah no it's i it's pretty clearly set in like what i do all those like there you know there's like some like sometimes i'll go off on like a wrestling topic that's not it, it's the same type of storytelling but not 100 percent in line with it or i i kind of want to start doing videos about cryptozoology where i can kind of it's tangential but not the exact same thing um but I don't know. It's uh, it's tough to think about like how, how in like how even like that's changed in like the time span that I've been doing this full time. Where um, I mean, you know what it is? It's something I've actively rejected too because I remember early on in my channel, they were I would try. I didn't really know what kind of content I was going to make, so it I would be like, there would be kind of like the story of the day that everyone's worked up over, and old commentary channels would have their take on it. And I would try to do a video about that thing. And to me, it was kind of stressful to try and be chasing these same topics that everyone else was chasing. So I just wanted to lean more into stuff that it's kind of it's not necessarily bound to the current time. 
Have you ever tried to have you ever like had to capitulate to like the YouTube monetization policies? Um, oh yeah, there's like the, I mean, the big one because those me, are it, something that I feel like didn't exist and then suddenly existed like crazy, like oh, you can't swear within the first three minutes and all yeah. this stuff. Yeah, those popped up a few years ago and have have gotten like mostly stricter. Um the the big one for me though is if if it's something, if it's something I th- talking about it, I think will get me demonetized. I try to come up with like euphemisms for it, especially in the first thirty so seconds. Like I, I hate to do like all the fucking the baby talk that people do, like like calling porn corn or all that TikTok fucking censorship shit. Yeah, un- I, hate, I hate those. So un- oh my god, I, I avoid all that shit. Um, but in the first thirty seconds, like sometimes I have a video where I'm talking about come. Or I'm talking about a dick or something like that. I, you can't just, there's no avoiding it. So I have to come up with a word that will mean the same thing and everyone will understand that it means the same thing. But it doesn't upset me in a way that listening to fucking baby talk upsets me. It kind so, of feels it, like everyone's standing on this platform and the platform is the internet and like the edges of it are crumbling away. And and everyone involved is like trying to figure out how to continue standing on what's left of the platform. So, you know, like you have YouTube yeah. and the advertisers are encroaching and it's like, stop saying this. Don't say this. Maybe say that. Don't say that. Don't say this. You could say that, but not in the first minute. Got to be creative when you get grotesque, like call come rotten mayonnaise or some shit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's what's real silly about it to me. So too. much worse, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rotten mayonnaise. Come, come swallow my rotten mayonnaise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dead. I was going to use that now. <laughs> but yes, it's really stupid. If you think about it, like because the reason for all this monetization problems is is because like, oh, well, the advertisers won't like it. And the reason why the advertisers won't like it is because ostensibly they're worried that people will be like, oh, this this guy said fuck in the video. So this brand by advertising in this video appro- endorses the use of the word fuck. So is there really a does that person exist that will not buy a product because they advertised on a video where someone said fuck? I don't think it does. I don't think the advertisers really think it does. However, it gives them the opportunity to renegotiate their rates with YouTube, who allows the advertisers to play them like a fiddle every time. I guess my version of that would be in like music copyright uh, and like getting takedowns. Like something I did recently for the first time is I went live on Instagram while I was doing a DJ set. Mm-hmm. And and Instagram shut the, shut the live down automatically. Really? And said, we, and said, we've detected copywritten music in your live. You can't do that. And I was just like, nobody's tuning into my DJ set in, in, instead of listening to your album. I'm trying to yeah. get people to go listen to your music. I'm trying to push them in your direction. What are you gaining here? And it's literally like they're trying to choke you for those pennies that they'd get out of that streaming revenue. Then take any chance at all that you're doing something like pirate worthy. It's especially silly with a live stream. How recently was this? Pretty recent. It, it happened to yeah. me twice, and I've never tried to stream on Instagram again. Twitch, for some reason has been really cool about it. And they're usually the strict ones. I, I, like, yeah. I do, no, now everyone keep your, everyone keep your voices down. Because well, I have gotten actually. away. I have gotten away with so much shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Like an insane like I've been streaming I've been streaming MTV leaks. I've been streaming the VMAs. I've been streaming documentaries. I've been streaming so much shit on Twitch and I've never gotten any kind of copyright strike. So whoever well whoever is on the inside at Twitch that loves new metal salute bro because they are they've got my back <laughs> hell yeah i see i think 
excuse me. Yeah. Okay. I think, go ahead. I think that Twitch might have like negotiated something with the labels. Uh, I I'm not sure 100. I know YouTube does mm. now. Like as like this is brand new. Like as of like a month or two ago, now there you can like revenue share for part of a of a song that you use in a video that's copyrighted. Like it, it kind of works like how you can you're able to legally use a song in a TikTok. YouTube kind of has a system like that now with all videos. I have to imagine Twitch has something like that in the works or under the hood. Twitch Twitch mutes it for the playback, which is why I okay. never publish the playback of my videos. You'll never, you'll almost never see it. Uh, so it mutes on playback. So it knows what I'm doing. Like it can automatically pick it up. It's just while I'm live, I've never gotten hit with any trouble. They could do it while you're live because... Uh... That happened to Metallica a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, they they I remember that. That was so fucking funny. And it's kind of their fault that all this shit happens anyway with them yeah. raising a sting about Napster. So yeah, really, I don't. Rolling. Honestly, I just don't think I'm big enough. Like two two thousand followers is small potatoes. Like they don't give up. I don't think they give. It's up the automated that. systems though that pick it up. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, unless you have someone with a vendetta who reports it directly, which, which I mean that that happens, but whew. it's usually automated. All right, clearing the field, resetting. We are here to talk about a very specific record. This is the new metal gen after all. We're talking about Soulfly's debut album, which came out in uh, 1998, produced Hell by yeah. Ross Robinson. You know what? I like this album more than Roots. I agree. I agree 100%. I'm very glad that I'm in good company here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Cran. Yo, I've I've only heard Roots maybe a handful of times in my life. I still listen to Soulfly to this day. So. I there right, we go. I, I like Roots. Don't get me wrong, but I like Soulfly because Soulfly has this infectious spirit of community. It, it's open. It's celebratory. It's it's Max Cavalera having to like fall back on his friends in the wake of Soulfly's disillusion. You know, of, of him like quitting or getting fired from uh from Sepultura. Sorry, so. God, remember when I did that on the Lincoln Park episode? God damn. Uh, what did you mix up on Lincoln Park? I, I, I started calling the album Meteora Numb. Like we finished oh, the episode okay. and I was like, this has been numb. I went, these you these guys let Deftone me do it Chevelle. too. What? You called Deftown Chevelle a few times. Oh my God, did I? <laughs> yeah. Damn, how do you make that mistake? I like Wonder That's... What's Next more than Around the Fur. So, right, fuck you. Soulfly self-titled. Um... I like, but I like that this album has a bigger, a better spirit to it. Like the the tribal drums are more communal. It's more of an inviting record, and uh, you know, no disrespect to Roots, but I do feel like that album is a little bit more intense and uh, harder to like really get into in the same way. Justin, what are your thoughts on the two? Um, going back to what you're saying about like the drums being more communal, I remember the first time I saw Soulfly live. I forget what show it was. I think it was at Irving Plaza. But I remember like there was like this whole like big section where they had a ton of people with like their own drums, like come out on stage in the middle of one of the fucking songs. And that's immediately what I thought of, like when you had mentioned that. Yeah. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I love I really like Roots, too. And I think that when Roots is at its best, it demolishes any any fucking piece of new metal ever recorded. But Soulfly is also a really sincere like embrace of new metal and. You know, the two have like the same kind of problem, which is they go on. For, they're not good, like front to back listens. Am I right about that? Like, yeah, I was I was listening back to um, I haven't listened, haven't listened to Roots in a long time, at least like the entire album. 
but um i was listening to um to soulfly the other day um just like in preparation for this even though i actually i had been on like a big soulfly kick recently and even saw that last tour they were on with out with a body box but yeah like there's like something i realized about the album is that it's very it starts off very strong and ends very strong but the middle kind of drags a little bit but there's there's just like a spirit to that middle part too where i think if you can get into it, like like how roots was with canyon jam like yeah. you think to yourself like 10 minutes of just drums like you would never need that but to me that track is essential like you could never get rid of that so for this one when i was listening to it today it's the self-titled track on here, Soulfly, where it's like a guitar mm-hmm. ambient jam. And I was thinking it was like it goes on for like four minutes. And I was thinking like, man, you could really have just taken this one off here. But this record has a real like a deeper meaning to it. And I think that if you were to do that, you might lose something bigger than you think. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that when it comes to records like peak CD records, like Follow the Leader and uh, significant other and this that, that go on for like too long and, and you kind of come up with the sequencing for it in your head where maybe it's a better album i think that you would lose the spirit of the record at the same time like like yeah we've all disowned all in the family but at the same time i couldn't imagine follow the leader without it i think that you you need these i i like the idea of these bands making these missteps or maybe going a little too far on on their big records something that i really like about this record is that the guitar riffs to me are like they're very um you could point to most of the guitar riffs on this album and be like this is like what a new metal riff yes, is yeah yes. it's bouncy as fuck dude i i whenever people ask me like what is a bounce riff i say go listen uh-huh. to no hope no fear mm-hmm. it, that's what it is you just put it on it like has that perfect up and down momentum to it and yeah yeah, there's a lot of those where it's just like eight seven eight seven or oh two oh two, and it just feels totally correct. Has Max ever like talked about Revolver? Likes to fucking bait me by publishing that one quote uh, Max did talking about how Sepultura is not new metal. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean anyone who has ever been in a new metal project for the most part says they're not new metal. It's the we most obnoxious fucking thing. That's but why has we he... have a segment called the New Metal Allegations, where we well, we know coming on and then force them to admit they're new metal. We still have a segment called the New Metal Allegations. We just haven't done it in a while. <laughs> I just need a band to bring on because it's harder to find Yo. those bands. Like it would be so fucking lame to bring like Chino on the show and be like, "Do you want to address the New Metal Allegations?" Like he would just be so out on that. So you got to like Chat Pile, great sport. They had a great time doing it. Health, Johnny, Johnny, great sport, had a fun time doing it. And it's about finding more bands that would be into doing that. So, so no, 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 we will definitely do it. But like, you know, we can bring Jinx on. You you can't. I I literally have, I play in a new metal band in my profile. So it doesn't, it doesn't work the same. You know, that episode's over quick. You guys are new metal band. Yes. I've been holding the new (laughs) metal agenda. (laughs) Yeah. We're never going to yeah. make it happen. So it's just, yeah, I just want to find more bands to do that. Yeah. And then I would love to keep doing that. We could revolutionize the 45 second podcast. Is that a thing? It we could just start, we could just, it. we could just start putting out preview clips. And that's the whole episode for some of the bands. We'll have Jinx <laughs> on and just be like, you guys are new metal. Yeah. See Thanks for coming like, on the show. Like radio bumpers. Radio. That's a radio bumper. <laughs> You're oh man, I, I recorded this fucking radio bumper for, um, our new song Coochie Frito, which is kind of like it's kind of like about like great song crisis. Great song, oh, thank by you. The way. But I recorded the bumper and I was just like, "Hey, my name's Justin for the band Jinx. You're listening to our new song Coochie Frito. It's about doing drugs." 
And then like the, <laughs> the rest of the band was like, we're going another direction with that one. A little, I, little, little bit of a bummer. <laughs> I could imagine. Could you say you're Justin from the Come video instead hey. of the band? Like, uh, I'm no. Justin from the Come videos. This is my band. <laughs> this is a band. <laughs> Go back I, to the guitar riffs, though. Like, it was, I'm just like back. I'm still like thinking on this like guitarist mode. I don't want to interrupt you. I had like something else to say about we're about going. the cum videos no yeah, I about the cum videos yeah no no i didn't um i was listening to one of these songs today and it breaks down into just a i wish i could remember what it was but i was on the treadmill just thinking like yes yes like to me to and like this is like something i pop i'm pretty sure i've seen this you know pop up in your comment section a few times about what is the defining what is the thing that makes a new metal band a new metal band and to a lot of people it's like the inclusion of rap which to me is like it's there sometimes, but not always. But that certain type of riff is always there. Yeah, I think that if you can like listen to the riff and and are familiar enough with drop tuning that you're pretty sure you could pick up a guitar and figure it out like mm. like fast. Yeah, and Max simplified it even further by taking three strings off his guitar. Yeah, yep. yeah, yep. yeah. The three string guitar, like perfect. Man, more people should have done that. That was badass. To just to just dedicate yourself to that totally, but um, yeah, and then I mean, the I think the guests on this also add a lot of variety that was missing mm -hmm. from Roots. You know, it's good to have like that divvied up when you get your Fred Durst appearance, get your Chino appearance, get your DJ Lethal appearance. You come right out of the gate with Burton and Dino from Fear Factory, like oh, and then Benji Webb shows up toward the end of the record to really spice up like the end part of that album. And really bring it around to like a strong close. And yeah, I think that I just really, yeah, I like this album a lot. I don't listen to it front to back all the time, but it, it's just one of those records that I have a lot of respect for and, and and really appreciate. I think maybe more than anything, I just like a good comeback story, especially when the lead singer involved is in his 30s. Sorry, but I, I like I like that he came out of Sepultura and the awful disillusion of Sepultura swinging. Which, uh, by the way, so maybe you guys know more about this than I do, but Sepultura ended in its original incantation over like a managerial dispute. I don't know the lore, actually. It's, it's directly like related to Dana Wells passing away. Yeah. And then there's like some bullshit with like that. Some people from the band allege like Max's wife wanted to be too involved, like a Yoko Ono situation almost. But uh, other people think it had to do with loyalties. We have some notes over here. Uh, Wolf, did you put these notes together? Or was it our other friend? This is courtesy of Schuler from Death Metal Radio. Thank you. We have a great little set of notes over here uh, that I'm just glancing at right now. And it looks like, so Dana, uh, uh, help me here. Dana who? I don't want to be just. Dana Wells. And what's the relation again? Stepson. Stepson? Yeah. Yes. Died in a uh, contentiously debated upon car accident where there was a car chase and there was a crash and he died on impact and max wanted to take time off from the band he didn't want us them to keep on touring but i guess the rest of the band uh were saying that we should keep touring and he was like no and then gloria gloria's max's wife yes. correct was like managing the band at the time and gloria said he did not want to uh, gloria says she did not want to keep touring as well and I guess there was a lot of animosity there and they they actually it actually looks like they finished the tour and then 
Max left the band, which I know was very difficult for him. He was not happy about that at all. Uh, that was like his band for the most part. Is that correct on this? Some of this uh, between him and Andreas Kisser. Yeah, we don't have well, any sepulturists in here, huh? Yeah, I listened to the band a lot, but not. I didn't really like research that much about them. Yeah, they really do go deep too. I don't think there's a thrash metal band. I don't know if there's any pre new metal band that converted to new metal better. I think I was this... actually going to bring that up because when Slayer did it, it was kind of middling. When Metallica yeah. did it, it was dog shit. Oof, yeah. And I think Machine Although, Head did, did a good a job. I think Machine Heads was good. Yeah, Machine Heads. I, yo, I like the Burning Red was good, and I was shocked they actually um they I saw them at Saint Vitus um a few months ago, and they actually played tracks from that album. Fuck yeah, Fuck they did. Yeah. They did because they're the fun ones. Did they don't wait? Hold on, hold on. Everyone's everyone's kind of talked their shit about the album after that, which is called Super Supercharger. No, yeah, Supercharger, you're right. That's what's called Supercharger. Everyone's talked this shit about Supercharger. Everyone's like disowned Supercharger. But the Burning Red is good. People like the Burning Red. Yeah. 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 People like the Burning Red. I yeah. even like I even made that point when we talked to Ross Robinson. I was like, Burning Red, underrated. He he agreed with me on that one. And uh but so I think Machine Head did really well. Uh, but nobody could compare to Sepultura, who even on KSAD started to already put some bounce in their guitar riffs mm -hmm. that you could start to hear. And then I think the Roots transition was really, really, really seamless. And uh, but then I think I think that Soulfly self-titled is really the continuation of that totally. And I know that Sepultura was a little little pissed off that Soulfly was outselling their next record, Arise. Like Soulfly went gold in the United States and uh, Arise topped out around 150, 200K records. Does anyone want to stick up for Arise? No. <laughs> All right, it's moving on. Ar Arise? See, I don't remember the... Um... Wait, isn't Arise? No, Arise? Right? Yeah, I was going to say. Arise wait, wait, is that's the... Yeah, I just remember the album. Against, cover. against, I was, I was gonna... against, yeah, against. I was going to say. Yo, I have a lot of new metal shit going on in this thing yeah, all yeah. the time. <laughs> things get, things I was about to say, Arise is one of my favorite Sepulcher albums. I remember Max being on it. I just fucking remember. <laughs> it came that. out in yeah, 1991. It came out in 1991. Yeah. Okay. So what's the one from 97 called? The one with Derek Green on it. 98, and it's called Against. Against. That's the one that sucks. Yeah. They kind of kind of went for like almost an industrial vibe on it, and it's not great. Somebody sold it to me once as being pretty good. So I gave it a shot and thought it's not good at all. So I don't remember if I ever even listened to it. It's not do you guys really hear do you guys hear my honest. can you guys hear my fire alarm going off in the background? Nope. No, no. Hearing that noise gating, I guess. What? You got some pretty good noise gating on your mic. I prioritize. I thought you were going to ask me if I was okay since the fire alarm's going off, but no, you're yeah. you're making the same priorities I've got. You're like you're like right. Mike sounds good, all good. <laughs> um, what what's better though, Soulfly self titled or or Tribe, or not Tribe Primitive, Primitive, Primitive. I think is when they really like mm -hmm. defined what Soulfly oh, should sound like. Oh no, I would still. Uh, go uh, it's a little more killer, a little less filler, and it also it has their best song would jump the fuck up. And their absolute worst song with Terrorist. So you get the best. Oh, I, li I like Terrorist. That's a good song for him. It's horrible. <laughs> the, the thing about I like it, but not because it's good. The thing about <laughs> Terrorist, that was like the song for a while that made me hate Tom Araya's vocals. But then it grew on me. And uh, I, I remember I would be in high school and like make fun of that fucking spread of Terrorist. I'm doing the music every fucking day. 
But that song grew on me. And then, and then Max coming back with the even cornier. Rebelling against all this bullshit. I can't get. I can't really get down with primitive as a rap. Primitive doesn't totally do it for me, but it has moments that I think are like really amazing. Like I love pain. I think pain front to back is yeah. Like so it's a better pain. Song pain is one of the best songs they made. I think. Oh man, I like I like that they have Chino. I like that they have Chino on the track. Just talk his shit. Not even to do his Chino stuff, just to talk yeah. his fucking shit. It's Max and it's Grady Abnell from uh... Will Haven. Thank you, God. I, I, I only know that yeah. because I learned about Will Haven from that album. Yeah, his verse goes hard. Yeah, he's yeah, he goes crazy on that one. I, I and then and then it also has Sun Song with Sean Lennon, who, by the way, John Lennon's son, John no Lennon of the Beatles. Shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> What's mad funny about Sean Lennon? So he follows me on Twitter because people were telling him that he looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> the internet. One sec. Is it the mustache? I fucking see it. I fucking see it. Yeah, I, I guess you're just being like half age with some sort of facial hair. Would you rather people confuse you for him or Stevie Oki? Oh, what a what a good and bad question. I mean, I guess I guess Steve because Steve like does more now. You gonna open any uh pizza ghost kitchens in your future? I mean, you know, one night I said I spent the night like looking up like how to make fucking like what how to make a ghost kitchen or some shit. And I was like, oh okay, like, I just never did anything. And that will, concept never is will. wild to me. Yeah, and I still can't quite wrap my head around it. I don't know if it's because I'm old as shit, but I used to order a lot of foods for like my office back in the day off Grubhub and the the LA the Los Angeles ghost kitchens are the most obvious shit in the world they're always called like uh -huh. pizza up your ass and and people fall for this oh yeah we got people them. fall for this we got a lot of them over here too new york fuck you breakfast mm -mm, smoothie fuck and i don't know <laughs> there's one close to here al cuz like you know the mr beast burgers those are all ghost kitchens but then there's a pizza place by me that also has themselves as mr beast pizza yes yes they'll do it like <laughs> They'll do it like out the back. You, there are restaurants that'll be doing like three ghost kitchens at once, and I don't. I imagine that's not profitable in the slightest. But Denny's does it to themselves. They have like four different restaurants that are all just Denny's. Really? Yeah. Like they have a fake sandwich shop. They have a fake burger stand. They have a bunch of fake shit. You got to be so stupid to fall for those. And all the and all the pictures on the of the food look like they're from like Instagram or Snapchat or something. They're look like, like they're made of wax. They're on like a solid color background. It's like, ooh, look at the burrito. You know, it's, it's not real. Get your shit together. Anyway. Is it just charging more for a Grand Slam? I mean, probably. Never yeah, tried I think so. It, it, what, basically what it is is it's like really normal stuff, but slathered in millennialism. So it has that sort of like boss bitch mentality to it. And it tries to like, oh, God aesthetize the smoothie experience you know it's it's like a <laughs> selfie booth at coachella but for kale <laughs> yeah. i don't man the headache now just making all that happen right then if this was 2013 buzzfeed would be paying me the, a big bag but internet does not pay anymore so i'm struggling i do not i do not like jump to fuck up I I'm so sorry. yo I'm so I'm sorry. You. Like I don't hate it, but I do think it's super overrated. I like when bands such as Soulfly write songs that make me want to jump to fuck up. I don't like when they have to just come out 
and and tell me to jump the fuck up. I'm sorry, yeah. Corey Taylor dug deep when he wrote the lyric, what the fuck, I'm a Mack truck. Are you going to give up like a bitch or jump the fuck up? Okay? And I don't like Corey Taylor's verses on this song. The, I think the really... verses are what kill it for me. Like that f- fucking like that part, it's kind of like the guitar part is like boom, bing, boom, bing. And like it's, it's, it's like such a like a nothing verse. Yeah, and like it sounds even better when you just hum it. I like this. <laughs> Not into that one. Um, but I respect like the, the energy- song with all the weird unheard of rappers, uh, in memory of, I don't remember that much of the record. I don't, Cutthroat I don't really logic was the name of that rap group from Arizona that nobody gives a fuck about. I, I think I remember skipping that one all the time. It's actually it's a pretty good a song, but life's a time trial. And I'm just trying to make the finals. Is that that song? I don't remember any of the lyrics to be honest with you, other than Max randomly going, fuck Satan. Yeah, that's <laughs> Taking a bold Christian stance on that record. Benji Webb, sound class, Benji yeah. Webb of Dub War at the time, Dub War in '98, and then Skindred a couple years down the road shows up on two songs from the Soulfly self-titled record, Prejudice and Quailumbo. How'd I do? <laughs> sure. Do we have any Skindred defenders in the house? They're fine. Yeah, I never really felt too strongly about the one way or the other. Oh, like I really like Skindred. Yeah. I like Skindred a lot. I have a lot of respect for new metal survivors, like the bands that just kept on kicking ass through like the whole Il thing. Nino? Uh, were, well, oh, oh, really? You know what? But the so, thing about Skindred and Benji Webb, though, is that they never ghosted us. Yeah. El Nino burned us early on. So. Oh yeah, you oh, know what? You know what? Okay, El Nino yeah. was supposed to be a guest like, really early on the show. He hit like, me up. He like... hit me up again. Sent me his phone number again, and I need to text him. But I'm trying to get a different co-host of mine to figure out how email forwarding works, and they're being really slow about it. So once they've got that figured out, once they figure that out, I can pass some of this off. But yes, they want. He he has hit us up again, but no, I wouldn't call. I wouldn't say El Nino counts as like a survivor because. Once you replace, I mean, once you replace the lead singer, yeah. you count non-point. See, like the reason why I guess I non-point, like, non-point's put them, a good one. Non-point's a good non-point, one. Yeah, they're solid. I guess the reason why I mentally put them in that category is I remember like two bands. I remember specifically doing this, basically like being new metal bands that came out as people had largely moved on to metalcore. El Nino and fucking Dracula Logic. Didn't Dracula Logic move on to metalcore themselves? Didn't get to check out that record. I, I stopped at the they, death um, dreaming. They uh, I, I don't remember the discography now. But I remember record. when they came out, it was like a, a decidedly new metal album, and it came out around the same time I think as fucking that Killswitch album. Do you remember Hinge? Oh yeah, Hinge was like their name before, right? Hinge was their name. And th- then it was Hinge AD, and then then it was Dracologic. Which did they do? Hinge AD. They gave AD a shot, and then Dracologic put out um the darker side of nonsense, which is really which good. Whips. Whips. One of my favorites. Yeah, that's the album I was thinking of. One of the worst album covers ever, though. Oh yeah, not I'm looking great, at it not... right now. Yeah, it's like a gore grind album cover. Doesn't really, doesn't really. No, do gore grind album covers have actual gore. <laughs> <laughs> the album covers just like, yo, look how fat this guy is. Isn't that gross? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could do a YouTube episode on that one. To be honest, the album cover. Um. Yes. So, what else? Really, like. So the Soulfly tour, right? The tour in support of this album featured a lot of guests on it, and they would bring guests out to do Fred Durst's verse on Bleed, including Fred Durst on a couple of stops. But I know for one, they brought out Matt 
Holt of Nothing Face to do. Oh this my verse. god! Have you seen the video? That's, I never saw the video. No, Matt Holt does I the does the Fred Nothing Durst Face. verse. Yeah, check that out. Like Matt villains, Holt. I think has like multiple of the best new metal riffs ever written. Villains, the song villains. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Caught me with my fucking pants down. I don't know if I know that one offhand. Villains. Which one is that off of? It's on um the one with the long ass title. Yeah. An audio Don't... guide to everyday atrocity. Yeah, that one. It's on that one. I'll revisit that specific song. Nothing Face is one of those bands that's so good and so consistent. I have trouble like branching out from what I already know is great about them, which is yeah. for me, it's like skeletons, you know, ride or die, live and breathe. One of the best albums ever made. Uh, I do want to say, though, if we're going to touch on this, Justin, have you heard the demos that they cut in like 2007, 2008? No. Wait, wait, was that what they had on MySpace for a period of time? They are so good. They are I think so I, good. <laughs> if they were on their MySpace, then I might have. I they were on the they were like the MySpace demos, but yeah. they were really good. I've I've assembled those into like a mini record. I should really figure out how to put that out. We are starting a record label, and and man, would it be cool to figure out how to get those fucking songs out there somehow. Is this the first place you publicly announced that? I've talked about it on Twitch before, and okay. uh this will be when this episode comes real out. Place, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, but like this is a little <laughs> more subtle than doing like the big full court press release. But like, yeah, we're working on getting a record label going, and uh, just because like I'm just so fucking pissed off at how many great new metal albums aren't on streaming at all, and I, and I want to fix that problem so bad. So we've gotten in touch with like a couple bands, and what we're like discovering is some of these new metal bands left their label with the masters, but didn't oh, no realize. Shit that that meant they had to upload them to streaming, right? Like they didn't leave the masters behind with Warner or Atlantic or Arista. They took them, which meant they needed to put them on streaming and they just never did. So, you know, hopefully that means we can gather up a lot of these bands and just remaster the finals or maybe we can get our hands on the originals and then we can put them on streaming. So yeah. one day we can see the return of Fear the Clown? No, no, I don't think so. Should we? Should they be a higher priority? Fear the clown. <clears throat> yeah, they had that one good song. No, the one the one, one from Smallville. The one that I've got high up on my list is no one. No one. Yep, and this is why. This is funny because it's like they toured with fucking Slipknot and System of Death. Grant knows who no one is. Yeah, they're the band I ignored at Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> yep, and this is why. This is why it's just an up. You know what? This is why you don't name your band no one. Really, this is this is one of the best reasons not to fucking do that. But also, like Factory eighty one is another band that I bet just that sounds familiar. I bet Factory eighty one just has the masters and don't even know it. And uh, do you remember this band Boiler Room? Boiler Room is not on streaming either. That's yeah. Right. I was just like looking at cause as soon as you went along that line, I looked and see if they're on Spotify. Boiler Room. I bet they, I remember them op opening up mad fucking tours at a certain point, and they're they're good. They had that. At the very least, they had one song that I really liked. Do It Again has this incredibly awesome riff that opens the song. And I always drop that in my DJ sets, but then move on pretty yeah. quick. But it has a really great riff to it. So, yeah, but there's all kinds of bands like that that I think were around in like big money major label era. And then they got dropped really quick yeah. for one reason or another and didn't maybe miss that window of knowing that it was up to them to make streaming happen. So. I'm there's really a lot of bands that are on streaming services with albums that are just missing because they were off oh, the yeah. major label. 
American head charge, big example for you, Kirk. Oh God, I know. I want to, those guys are hard to track down. They're like, they're, they're either like fucked up. Like they just got out of jail or they're dead or they're sad and don't want to talk about it. Like, like, and I've been trying to get in touch with those guys for probably years, plural at this point. And it's just tough. Cause like, those are kind of dark days for them, but that's, it's, 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 it's an absolutely like a bucket list. It's to the point where I'll just fly out to fucking Minneapolis and knock on doors, you know, cause that's crazy to me that trepanation and, uh, the feeding just aren't on streaming. Like what the fuck? Just two big chapters of the entire new metal story that you cannot access without, you know, getting on soul seek or something. It's fucked up. Unless this is a state secret. I'm going to ask you, Justin, what's up? How old are you? I'm 38. What, what shows were you in, in attendance at like around that era, like peak era? Um, the, the very first show that I ever went to. Oh, actually this, um, but the very first show I went to, actually, the first one was supposed to be Static X, but then there was a big blizzard and I wasn't allowed to go. So then the next one was, um, it was a 92 free show, which is like if in the New York area, 92.3 K Rock would have these new metal shows where you could play. Well, I think it was like there are other rock shows too, but any of these shows, they were 92 cents to go to. So that wound up being my first one. It was System of a Down headlining, Kitty. And eight stop seven. Oh fuck yeah! I remember posting an eight stop seven yeah. song once, and you were like, "This is my first show." Yeah, do you, do you yeah. Still and kinda... people threw stuff at them. <laughs> <laughs> they got a bad look, man. They got a bad look. I think I think new metal Matchbox Twenty is a good idea, and they just had the wrong marketing or something. Because do you like them? I did. I did not enjoy them though. Oh, I, when I you say new metal matchbox 20. All I can think of is fucking Hoopa Stank. So that does not. This is, like and this idea. is what I mean. It's just it's a weird spot. And they did have quite a they had a pretty decent amount of money dumped into them. And I think that they have they have a couple bangers. I'm never going to like ride out for eight stop seven. But yeah, they don't deserve just, the hand they were dealt either. I just remember very specifically. And the, it, once again, in mind, like this is the first time I've ever been to a show of any sort. So I didn't know what was like typical behavior and not typical behavior. But people are like kind of shitting on them, their whole set, kind of like it's either a mix of silence and then occasional booing. And then they take out the acoustic guitars. And oh, no, that no. Fuck, as soon as oh. that happens, the crowd is gone, like rabidly hating them. Then the guy says, oh, well, we're going to play this song because K-Rock asked us to. And after that happens, people are chanting S.O.U. over the fucking song, which S.O.U. is like the uh, the other local station out here that would play like he kind of heavier shit than K-Rock would. So that just drowned out their fucking song. People threw stuff at them. It was not it was not good. They're another band where there is absolutely no live footage of them in their prime. And maybe I'm starting to understand why. So. Yeah, yeah, that's like I am. I'm mean, granted New York, New York crowds and for anything tend to be a little more asshole than most markets. But well, hold on. Who are it, they opening for again? System of a Down and Kitty. This is exactly why a band like that just couldn't catch on. They're like a little too heavy for pop radio and a little too soft for rock radio. And yeah, just wasn't. I mean, that's not a good that's not a good lineup for them. Uh, I should have been on tour with Fuel, but can't can't exactly play insider baseball now. Um, how was uh, System of a Down? They were fucking amazing. Sorry, Cran. Tried. <laughs> Tried. What, what year was this, Justin? Hold on. Hold this. On. um. I believe it would have been 
maybe 2000 I don't, maybe 99 i don't remember so this was in between the self-titled and toxicity yeah toxicity was not out yet okay cran is just the whole show is building up to the day we get surge on the show so cran can just fucking cuss him out for ruining <laughs> that pledge of allegiance tour stop mm-hmm. he was at. no i i saw him in 2002 as part of pledge of allegiance and they just they did not want to be there and they made it very obvious <laughs> and it's it was ruined. how how they make it obvious just, I mean, not interacting with the crowd, not even looking at each other. Look, uh, Darren was looking down for half the show. Oh, damn! Like no energy, like one of those kinds of sets. Yeah, really. Just... They they were they were playing with like we have an empty room in front of us energy, which is what they kind really of. play with all the time now. Justin, what was the best show you saw in the era contemporaneously? The best show in that era. Hmm. Let me think here. Shit, I rem- see. Like the problem is. I'm forgetting which sets were a part of which package. I remember seeing I remember seeing Spine Shank once on like a pretty large package and really liking that set. Oh, I think it was I think Spine Shank and Mudvayne were on that same show. That was definitely fucking up there. Kirk loves Mudvayne, so yeah, yeah he does. And this was uh, yeah, right, like Kirk? just self-titled Mudvayne. <laughs> I mean LD50 Mudvayne rather. Kirk's favorite album, right, Kirk? We released that episode because you loved it so much, right? It was our first episode of the show was going to be on LD50, which is an album I do not like at all. Like, Really? Like, to the degree where I find it almost unlistenable. Like, I find it to be an unbelievably unpleasant record to listen to. But, you fucks, I put it at number 17 on my greatest new metal albums list because I know better than to take my opinion and project that onto the world. I know it's a great album. I've had way too many people tell me it's a great album to to let my opinion of it overwrite. Justin, do you like LD50? I I fucking I the funny thing about LD50, it has a lot of songs that I love, but I do feel like there's a there's a few too many songs on it that aren't it's it's a very long album and there's a lot of songs that I could do without. Ooh, ain't that the truth? Yeah. I, New Metal's attempt at making like a tool record. Oh, that is yeah, in a way, is. yeah, yeah. Um, I remember though, like something that was like really hype around that fucking time. I remember be- well before LD Fifty came out, there were all these like forums like of Slipknot fans and stuff. And Mudvayne was this band that was like kind of like being talked about, like yo, this is like the next Slipknot. And you would ha- there were like one or two tracks going around, like um, that shitty demo version of Internal Primates Forever. Like for the longest time, that was all anybody had heard of Mudvayne, this new hype band. And then when LD50 finally came out, that was kind of like the culmination of like all this like message board hype. I mean, and then it's what's funny is, is that they tried to make a next Mudvayne with Down the Sun and that. Yeah, I remember them. That didn't work. The next band that I saw get that kind of Internet hype was 40 Below Summer. Great, great record. Invitation to the Dance. Great record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that album. Uh, we named one of our Patreon series after Step yeah! the Show. You came up with that. Very nice. I, I like that album a lot. I would love to talk yeah. to, to their lead singer. I mean, that's another interesting story because just bad timing, I guess. But um, the other band that toured with Soulfly on their self-title would have been Snot. Uh, and Get Some, I mean, Get Some's a, a masterpiece, right? Like, you can't fuck with that, right? It is really great. I do love that one. That's it's the front to back one for me. Justin has no snot, snot opinions. Justin no, yeah, none. I didn't really like listen to them back in the day. I remember like there was that big album that came out, like like that tribute tribute album that came out straight up, and that and that was like yeah, straight up like that was like when I had first heard of snot. 
Don't like that's that. That's not one. a good first impression. Of that yeah. Because yeah, that album sounds, it sounds really cobbled together. Yeah, I yeah. really can't get down with that one. I wish I could and I couldn't. Um, and then the I guess part about that album is every single person featured on it is eulogizing, except for Fred Durst, who's just rapping about how great Limp Bizkit is. Oh, is yo, he? <laughs> yo, that's based as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look that one up because I know most. He of opens that is... it up with dedication to Lynn, and then he does. He just he's like, all my haters need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's just a very normal Fred Durst verse. I gotta look that one up. That's a good one. Um. And then what it, the whole Soulfly title came from the song Head Up, Head up. by Deftones, which is a tribute, the ever which is a tribute to, which is a tribute to um, Dana Wells, Dana Wells, Dana Wells, right? Yes. I'm just not super. I'm not versed. They in refer to him as D-Lo a lot. That was his nickname. So. Okay. I'm just not versed enough in this lore to like confidently say the names and stuff. But uh, Head Up is Wow. Now that's a fucking song, right? You want to talk about a bounce riff? You want to talk about fucking bounce riff, man? That's I was it. I was appreciating that the last time I listened to it or the live performance of them on. I can't remember every French TV show, can you? But the the live performance that Max and Deftones Don't did. Don't they live? What? <laughs> what did you just say? But that performance is is one where I was really in awe of a. Uh, Abe Cunningham's drumming on that one because he's just beating the shit out of the drums on that song. And you really got to respect drummers that can, you don't really think, I, you don't think about it. Does anyone else here, did anyone else in here play the drums a lot when they grew up with yeah. anyone else like a learned drummer? I was in a band for like 20 years. So, oh, there you go. And I was raised a drummer. That was my first instrument ever, was learning the drums. And you kind of take it for granted, like hitting the drums really hard when you're not trained. But if you can like hit the drums really hard, correctly it's like the most magnificent thing ever and a abe cunningham was a really good abe cunningham and john otto were just great at fucking whipping the shit out of those drums without making it sound like they were thrashing about like it had sort of like a jazzy touch to it does that make any sense yeah absolutely sort of you know, part alice new part alice is what the show might have been called but that's a great show by the way they also had like corns first ever appearance and that really actually reminds me of something else that i think is interesting which is that sepultura on their own were like a global phenomenon like they did really well in the u.s and then naturally they did well in brazil but europe fucking loved sepultura and and loved max cavalier and stuff you guys all seen that clip of of bjork at a uh, pink pop 96 going deep baby bjork at pink pop 96 is is giving an interview and she's talking about she's like i cannot wait to see sepultura oh i did like, see I, wait, yeah. I think you posted that i posted yeah. that a couple times she's I think like that's she's like I saw that yeah she's like i can't wait to see sepultura i haven't seen them yet she's like super jazzed and what you haven't seen because i never posted it is is david grohl uh foo fighters and nirvana giving an interview at the same festival and he's just gushing about how much he loves sepultura and he's like they're they're just they brought an energy to metal that did not exist before and they're really pushing things forward and they're the most exciting metal band out right now and he did a song with max in that era on his uh probot record not in that era that was way later right no probot was late 90s early 2000s I, i'm not here to prove you wrong i'm just i'm i'm way shocked about that one probot Oh, Probot's a Discord app. Sorry. Probot came out 2004. Oh, shit. I was way off. 
2004. Max is on there, though. Max is on there, though. Yeah, I should check this record out. Do you want to endorse the record? Did we lose Kirk? Oh, boy. No, I'm right here. Hello? Hello? I guess my connection dropped, not yours. Never mind. Yeah, motherfucker. Is Probot, is it a good record? The Probot record? Mostly good. Yeah. We have to check I, that one out. There's a few uh, songs we're skipping on there. Like, the one with Lemmy is pretty good, Shake Your Blood. But I think calling, I mean, I do think calling Sepultura world music or world metal is is kind of reductive but that is that is like what they were what's what was the biggest uh sorry world metal band i guess of all time maybe rammstein if you're just talking about not speaking english i mean they count yeah is like world it becomes world music when you start introducing like traditional instruments and shit right yeah, 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 and, and then I guess just non-English singing. I mean, corn's got bagpipes. Can we call corn world music? No, yes. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. Yeah. No, I, no, I like right, the idea of that. They're they're corn's Irish the world music band. Of all they're time. Irish metal, Scottish, you motherfucker. They're like Scottish, you're basically uh, like the Dropkick Murphys of new metal. The yeah, there you go. Oh, <laughs> low blow. Um, I saw Dropkick Murphys live once, and I left halfway through their set. Damn. <laughs> Not impressed. I do. I do prefer Flogging Molly as the Irish band. Them and uh, the Pogues are yeah. leagues better than Dropkick Murphys. We usually we don't say the I word on this show. Usually, I were you gonna say in, were you gonna say incest? Is that what you were about to say, <laughs> Cranster? It's a Simpsons joke. Okay, I feel like Sepultura might be the biggest world metal band, but. That doesn't feel right. I feel like there might have been someone bigger than that. But the Who's on a pretty big upswing right now. Like the band The Who? Not the Who you're thinking of. Oh yeah. They're they're it's sick. HU, right? The Who. Yeah. They do a lot of Mongolian throat singing. Oh yeah. Those it's guys. Tight. Yeah, they get sent to me. And then there's this other band called Bali Bal- Bloody Wood. B- Bloody Wood, yeah. Not super into it. Ah, like I wish I was, but they kind of wear their worldness a little too heavy. Like it's kind of gimmicky. Anyone here? Yeah, please I, feel help me. I know what you mean. A little bit too much. Is it's almost like it's like their version of like a bass drop. Like that we have the Bangra drum. Uh, ba- nope, not even gonna give that a fucking try. That they have their drums or the Mongolian throat singing one. Like they they'll bring like Jacoby Shaddix onto a song and. And the throat singing comes out as like the whoa part of the song. It doesn't really do it for me. Uh, I would love to be wrong about that, though, and would never argue with anyone about that. But I do think Sepultura, especially in like the mid 90s, when new metal and metal was starting to get categorized as like angry white boy music, I could see Sepultura arriving and being hailed as this kind of, oh, the saviors of metal. Of metal. Oh, look, now we have a different metal band, which not totally wrong i mean who was doing it like them nobody well i mean depends what era of them because they are i would say that they were doing it like a lot of other bands with every album they've ever done except for really roots where they kind of like went out of their way to make something very unique chaos ad feels like a pantera record uh that might be why it's my favorite one (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's my favorite one too and then, like the thrash ones, feel very. Did they say a bunch of racist stuff, stuff on there? Then? I was about to say. I was about to say that sales pitch though is irresistible. So it's a Pantera record without Phil Anselmo. Yeah, which is why it whips. 
Well, me kind of got me on that one. I, I didn't, I, I've never been super into Chaos AD though. I love that first track, but like the full album never clicked for me. But I'm also, you know, obviously I'm not a thrash metal guy. What I love about that too, like, so Chaos AD, it starts with uh, Refuse Resist, which is probably like my favorite Sepultura song. It has that riff that's like, but the first track on Soulfly, I for an I, it's, almost the same riff but it's just like just like like yeah like you go from yeah just slightly yeah you can't go wrong with the open six riffs there's this uh performance of that song refuse resist refuse resist live it's on australian tv and uh, like the gimmick behind the TV is they've got this cage full of metalheads all locked up, a cage full of metalheads all locked up behind the stage. And the girl and the and the host is like going to unlocks the cage and lets them all go toward the stage. And then Sepultura starts playing uh, Refuse Resist with that riff. And once all the metalheads get to the stage, they don't start moshing. They start jumping up and down. Like there's this perfectly rhythmic up and down bounce to it. And and that clip to me is significant because once thrash stopped invoking that shoving moshing energy and started mm-hmm. evoking that up and down bouncing energy, I think it became that sort of communal uplift that you got from new metal in a live setting. Cause so much of new metal in like on, on paper is about, how everything is awful and you're going through your trauma, but live everyone's jumping up and down and there's like push pits and it's, it's much more of a good time. Like I feel like only in the last couple of years was someone educated me that, that there's like a difference between a push pit and a real mosh pit, you know? Well, yeah. Cause you saw me get punched in the face during a murder. That's the moment you literally said to me, I didn't know people did that in pits. No, I mean, I knew oh, people shit. did that in pits. I just didn't know that there was like this whole culture of like crowd killing and shit. Yeah. And hardcore, especially it's really prevalent, but new metal pits are just fun. Yeah. You know, they're like a good time. You just kind of shoving each other around. But I mean, for me, really the entire thing is just the bounce, the up and down bounce. And I'm still trying to figure out like how the fuck I get new metal night DJ crowds to do jumping up and down because jumping up and down is fun, but only if you have a tight group around you all jumping up and down at once, nobody wants to be the one guy doing the jumping. You got to do down. the spit it out loop, the spit it oh. out part. No, I, and like, like really all... everyone would just go is... to the bar. Everyone would just go to the bar. <laughs> everyone get the fuck down bartenders get the fuck down bouncers i was like get the fuck down i want everyone getting the fuck down i don't want to do it you can't do that either though if, if you want to get the bounce going you got to play the jinx song fucking up i was yeah, just yeah, about to bring this up i was just about to bring this up you know J- i mean justin you're a practicing musician what do you guys do in your live shows what kind of energy do you like seeing um it, it depends it's weird because like i feel like in new york at least a lot of the times like we'll be like the least heavy band on a really heavy show and but we'll still get like the same kind of reaction as like the heavier bands do but then like on tour and shit like like i used fucking up as like the fucking the bounce song because that song like does like get that kind of that exact fucking reaction that you're describing the fucking the bounce the new metal fucking bounce pit is that what you'd like to see do you guys get the hardcore style pits oh yeah we do especially though it's i feel like that's also as much as it's like a genre dependent thing it's also like a regional thing Mm. so like new york you're gonna get that at most shows unless it's like like one of like the bigger mainstream shows you're just gonna get that you're just gonna get people swinging on each other yeah i've never i've never been in one of those 
Z, you live for those. Yeah, because uh, I go to, well, not recently, but I used to go to a lot of hardcore shows out here in LA. It's a lot of people like, I mean, mostly people having fun like I am, but there's also a lot of guys really trying to like prove they're tougher than you and shit like that. Yeah, I was really I, fucking swinging. I was watching a video from a hate six video from a vein show and people were doing that. And I was like, I was like, I was like, whoa, well, vein this is not, I was like, whoa, nowadays. I was like, whoa, this is not new metal. What, you got? I was like, whoa, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? Swinging your fists around and shit. This is not new metal at all. Which I don't is know how their shows have been since they changed their name to Vane FM, but Vane shows used to be notoriously fucking violent. Oh, I'm sure they still are. And that's that's the thing about, you know, Vane is that they probably consider themselves a hardcore band. Yeah. Yeah. It's the weird thing about that kind of dynamic, too, though. It's um, it's something that as a band gets bigger, I alluded to this before, like the more mainstream shows that even if a band doesn't really change their sound that much, but they get a lot bigger you'll get like you'll just naturally get a lot less of the hardcore dancing at shows like yeah like if you go to blown up so i don't know how the shows are now but they used to be bloody yeah like like something like i think about is like if you like went to like an old hate breed show it would be fucking crazy but then like as made as at the peak of fucking hate breed getting fucking huge you're getting like like the push mosh kids it's even though they're playing the same songs it's a totally different fucking reaction and also the audience gets older, yeah. I mean, sort yeah. of. I I was I looked up a video of Strife performing, also in Visions of Disorder, uh, both of whom I enjoy calling new metal. I do like calling them new metal, although Vision of Disorder did actually make a new metal record, and more power to them for that. But they're like newer shows. People still go fucking crazy for that stuff. People are still like throwing elbows and fists and stuff. You know, not think of the Biohazard new metal album. Ooh, wait, which one is okay? Oh, switch once again, back on it. Once again, oh, not on streaming. Not, oh, on, streaming. not on there. Oh my god, I was like so not on streaming. Not on streaming. I think I still have the CD somewhere in my house. And it dropped the same day as the towers, if I'm not mistaken. Damn, did it? A lot of really good albums did. God that riff was so good. The fucking bin and I remember liking it like the one time. I gave it a spin, but that is crazy that that's uh, again, that that's not on streaming. And that's that's why we just got to reach out to a lot of these bands, because it's like, yeah, well, you had Corey Taylor on the track. Why is this not? Why can't I look this up? So but do you, do you like that one? Yeah, I like that one. This I haven't listened to it in like probably like fucking like God, it might be like 20 years since I listened to that fucking album. But I remember liking it a lot. I, I still remember that fucking riff. So yeah, riffs are you going are- to the reunion show? No, the last time I saw them was at um, the New England Metal Fest a few years ago. Hey, are Jinx songs hard to play on guitar? No, they're, it's like the easiest music I ever played in my life. Why are you laughing? I didn't know. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, actually, though, I will say that in Coochie Frito, although the riffs aren't that difficult, the timing was very difficult to memorize. When do you? Th- when are we going to get the next Jinx record? The next record. Um, so the plan right now is what we're doing is we're kind of like releasing a single every couple months. And then like as more of those are out, eventually we're going to have the album and put the album out with some more songs that weren't singles. How do you balance your identity as Justin Wang, Internet man and actual musician? It's weird because it's kind of like there are some fans who like will cross from one thing into the next. But then at the same time, like. There's there's so many more who are like interested in one thing but not the other. But one of my favorite things that does happen, um, 
a lot of times at least like and i noticed this a lot in like the last two tours um like we last year we went out with um board of osiris and vale of Maya, and the year before we did a tour with attila and both of those tours i would have people like come up to me after the set and be like hey like i learned about you from your youtube channel this is the first metal show i've ever been to in my life and then a lot of times like oh i well, like i really like this i want to go to a bunch more so we're kind of like because of that connection we're kind of serving a purpose as like a gateway band for people which really was always the goal with this fucking band which is a normal pursuit to get people on board yeah i actually found your youtube channel through your band so i might be one of the few people that came in from the other direction <laughs> yeah like there's a few of those people around but it's it's always surprising because like the channel is like a lot bigger than the band at this point but uh, i do have a few people that like will be like hey like i, I found out your band and then i saw your channel you could talk about some weird shit on there if you went on tour, would you put the channel on hold or would you take it on the road? It's one of those things where it's very easy to do from the road. I mean, I the last couple tours I did get like in one one case, I like I record stuff in our one of our friends like spare bedroom. And then the another, in another one, I got a hotel room and just started recording shit. But there's there's always some time to get away and record a video. Do you see the channel as like a means to an end? Do you do you want to be YouTube guy or do you like or is it like we've I just want to I want to get the band on? Um, and honestly, to be clear, like, there is a middle ground. It's not it doesn't have to be extremes. Yeah, no, like the YouTube thing, honestly, was like something I kind of fell into. Like at a certain point in my life, I was I I was at that point, I was like touring a lot with my previous bands and I wanted some kind of job I could do where I'm not going to be like bound down to something where it's like, oh, if I need to take off for tour, then I got to like quit my job and go on a whole job hunt again or some shit. So it was always it was always like a mix of side hustles that I could either telecommute or I could like like with the movie extra stuff, apply for a certain amount of days. And if I'm not going to be home, just not apply. So and at some point, like YouTube became a part of that whole thing. But then uh, then it just became like, I, I, it was never like my dream to be a YouTuber, but I always it, it was something I wanted to do in the sense that it's like I prefer to do it than have like some kind of have like an office job or some shit like that. So now it's kind of like it's they kind of like work together in a way. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, you go from one to the other. You hear from Jinx from the cum boxer story or something i i don't i don't want to keep dwelling on that one it's just that's the one i see in my nightmares yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one really fucked me up man i didn't even watch it it was just your head popping up in front of the boxers being like that may look like cheese and now i just see that every time i close my eyes so thank you i have a whole like list of like uh cum artifacts like that is it a physical list or is it a spreadsheet i gotta i gotta start putting them into spreadsheets one of the absolute highlights of my entire time as Mr. New Metal was when you hit me up to find that song from that Adult Swim. Oh, yeah. And you were like, can your community find this? And I put out a call and we did. Somebody, yeah, you did. somebody tracked that all the way down to a stock music website. And it was like it was like the creator of that piece laid vocals over this track of stock music. And you put it in your video. You're like, you're like we you're like you're, you had said like in the video, you're like, we we may never know the answer. And then you had to put in another clip of you on your phone being like, actually, we do know the answer because someone from Crazy Ass Moments in New History found the answer. Like, it was like, yeah, 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 that came together super fast. That was that was really funny. I, I thought that was really cool. 
Um, that and then also appearing in your your video on like Dreamcast. Oh yeah, the um because of the Fred Durst Dreamcast tweets. The Fred Durst Dreamcast tweet, which is uh the sign Fred Durst Dreamcast is in a museum in Flint, Michigan. So if you guys ever want to do a hike, Ryan, you could go get that, couldn't you? Flint? That's about two and a half hours away. That's not too bad, I suppose. Well, I close to the nose. I think that would be the heist of the century. That's part of my Patreon goals, actually, is once I get to like I think like two grand, I've got to go to Iowa. I don't know what to do in Iowa. Cram, what should I do while I'm in Iowa? Drugs. I've never been to Iowa. Yeah. I kind of figure all that Midwest shit is the same, though. So maybe you could just improvise some stuff. So you find out where all the members of Slipknot live and just like be weird at their homes. <laughs> just go to all their... <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't yeah, do uh, that. I, I have a friend who is on a Mothogs album because they were in Job Corps and they went to East 1999 in St. Clair and knocked on a door and said, hey, are you bone related? And it was uh, Wishbone's grandma. See, see, it is all the same. So it could work. It could work. Um, I think we're about winding down on this one, but um, I do really, I do really, res- I respect the Soulfly record. It's got some of my favorite new metal tracks on there. I don't go cover to cover with it that often, but it is an easy one to recommend. It's it's easier, I think, to recommend than than Roots, which I find to be a little bit more of a, a grim listen, even though when Roots, I mean, when Roots is at peak, when Roots is operating at its absolute peak, it's as good as new metal ever, ever. I wouldn't say it's an easier recommendation because Roots does have a lot of like mainstream appeal. A lot of people that don't listen to metal know that fucking song, Roots, Bloody Roots. See, I always feel like the song itself carries the album. And so I would, and on the other hand, like Soulfly self-titled, like there's like way more, way more different tracks to kind of latch onto. And especially when you're trying to recommend something from like a new metal perspective, like, like if I were to recommend Sepultura, I'd be like, check out the song Roots, Bloody Roots. And for the the album in general, you got like that cutthroat attitude, Rata Mahata, that kind of rounds it out. I, I really can't think of the other great songs on there. Not to say there aren't more. There are, but those are the ones that come to mind the quickest. I just think that I think that Soulfly is just such an eager and total commitment to new metal and new metal aesthetics. That's why I had said really early in the episode if if uh, Max Cavalier ever said that Soulfly wasn't new metal because it feels to me like Soulfly is a dedication to the idea just in total. It's got turntable shit on there. The bounce riffs are dead obvious. The guest well, appearances. Did. More recent Soulfly albums aren't very new metal. They're more groove with like some death metal riffs in them. They're yeah. also not as good, to be honest. To every fucking new metal band, the further they get from new metal, I don't know what to tell you. The further they get away from new metal, the worse it gets. Stay dedicated, stay down. That's what I'm talking about. You know what? Speaking of staying dedicated and stay down, uh, Justin, you are a still sucks defender, right? Still sucks. Limp Biscuit. Biscuit record from a couple years ago. Oh yes, I like it. Good. I think that, and you had said something about how like a uh, out of style might be their best riff ever. That's what I say. Oh, or is that the way I say? Burn it. Which one of those? Oh my god! Because I I love both of those riffs. But I yeah I I I remember you as being a still sucks defender, and I think people generally like like that record. It just yeah. came up for us yesterday. Yeah, 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 yesterday we did our episode with Stephen Stephen Jensen, Stephen Jensen. of of uh, what's his podcast called? Fight Talk. Yes. I talk word okay and he was asking us if we like that record and i was like i do like that record so but that's what also, i'm talking the, the about. second episode in row 911 came up so it's like the third up. or fourth actually we bring i think it's it's probably bit. come up on every single episode i mean oh. it's it's like 
9-11 is like the big thing that happened in the new metal era. So it's like it's no avoiding on this podcast. It Doctor absolutely City was the number one record that day. And yeah, man. Korean, it, that makes 9-11 the second worst thing to happen. It it <laughs> good one. It it really is 9-11 really is the fulcrum moment too, because we talked to a lot of lesser known, more under the radar new metal bands, and they all say the same thing, which is like our careers ended when 9-11 happened. Like we were done. Because you think about like how you're a struggling new metal band and you're, you know, you're trying to get a hit single or get a video or get some traction. And then that happens like your label's fucking done with you because clear channel will not touch anything. That's yeah, like we're not POD Jesus rock. Yeah, like we're not going to push pressure for five anymore. Get the fuck out of here. uh, Mudvayne had to change the name of the re-release of their debut album because of 9-11. Wait, really? Yeah, it went from, uh, it was called Kill Iota when it first came out. And like, oh, we can't put anything out with Kill on it. So it became uh, the beginning of all things to end. Oh, oh is shit. that what that was? I just know that one has the kick-ass remix of Dig they on it. They should have leaned into it like Leftover Crack did and just called their next album Fuck World Trade with a photo of Bush remote controlling a plane going into the tower. <laughs> they should have just This that. is a big time you fact because I don't know what you're talking about right Leftover now. Leftover Crack? You, you just said, new you said that sometimes. so you said that so casually. Like, of course, I'd know who that is. How do you know who Leftover Crack is? Because, I don't uh, know. One of the other big albums that came out that day was Party Music by The Coup. And the the cover art we all know this one we, with the fucking detonator in front of the World Trade Center. That one's just funny. There's there's no way you could talk about how that one's not funny. I think we all know that one. But I entirely do digress. Oh, my God. We can bring this one back around. Didn't Soulfly have a tribute song to yeah, 9-11? It's silence. They have a silent track on the third record dedicated to the victims of 9-11. Good. It's probably the best way to go about it. How long is the track? No, I don't know because I skip it. No offense to those who died on 9-11. How can you you do that? I always listen to the silent 9-11 track. I don't know. I guess I'm just not a real patriot. I'll post that to the the Twitter after we get off here. Well, I think that does, does about wrap it up here. I'd really, really like to thank our guest, Justin Wang, for taking the time to make this happen with us. Hell yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like we've been supposed to do this for a while and now like finally here. You just gotta catch people at the right well, moment. You can't We never talked can't. about Max's disgusting fucking dreadlock. You know what I'm talking about, right? We're waiting. He has like this had rather, he just cut it off recently, and it was a big news apparently. This giant dreadlock, like this thick, one single dreadlock that was just the grossest, crustiest thing you could possibly think of. Oh my wait, god. Wait, wait, when did this happen? I was just he about to say, like, off, this like, sounds like a Justin a Wang ago, video. Metal sucks, and a Metal Injection, all those sites were covering it. Because I remember, like, I saw them live. Um, Not this, like, Pat Mulder's recent show, but, like, the time before that. And I remember getting, like, really fixated on how, like, fucked up part of his hair looked. Yeah. So that was... was this nasty rat neck. Yeah, it was just, like... It was like a blob that was like stuck on it. It was like not it looks like, a normal like someone dread. had been coming into it for years. Does this Just have it your wheelhouse, Justin? Does this have video potential? Here's no, a story of uh, maybe uh, maybe it could maybe it could be a short. It could no, be like no, a no, no. Come on. Hold on. I'm bringing this home. Max's cum dreadlock. Fuck your fuck the cum dreadlock. No, sure not like that. Oh, God. Hey, Wolf, little, you little. still there? I'm here. You got any? You got any interesting, interesting questions, interesting ideas, interesting facts about Soulfly we should know about? Uh, I mean, first, I'd like to pander to all of our listeners in Brazil. Hello, Brazil is awesome. Love you guys. They get so hot when you talk about Brazil. I mean, it's internet law. 
anytime I publish anything that's tangentially related to Brazil, like 50 people in the comments are like, Brazil, Brazil Campiono! I love those guys. I love noticing Brazil. It's like one of my favorite things. One thing that we, did, we didn't talk about about the album is the drumming. Yeah, and so did. the drummer on this is oh, Roy. The rest of real drumming, never mind. Yeah, yeah, the, the, drumming. yeah the drumming on this is from Roy Mayorga, who was in the crust punk band Naja. And I think he really brings like a punky yes. MDC. I just want to give that guy his flowers. I think he does like a really good job, especially like on the opening track, Eye for an Eye, which I guess was laid down via drum machine first and then he played drums over it. What is crust punk anyway? Uh, just imagine punk, but way like dirtier and everyone has yeah. like tracking marks on their arms and doesn't shower. Yeah, it's like it's when you play punk and you smell. Yeah. Leftover Crack, the band I named earlier. Ah, yes. That all really is coming full circle. What's the drummer on this one's name again, Wolf? Roy Mayorga. So he is now in Amoebex and Hell Yeah, because that makes sense. It's one of those lifers. One of those those new metal lifers. I do think that you're right, though, to give him his props, because if there's any one thing that I can say is true about a bounce riff, it's that it's guitar, but it's also drums. Maybe even more drums than it is guitar. You need someone to have that loose, like what, like 91 to 103 BPM riff going on there so you can hit the ground every time a snare sound cracks off and jump up in the air again just in time to land when it's on it. So do appreciate that shout out. And I would like to say on behalf of the New Metal Agenda, I'm going to go ahead and thank him again. Thank you, Justin Wayne, for making it on the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Cran, for making it on here. Thank you, Z. Thank you, Wolf. And thank you, me, motherfuckers. This has been Holiday Kirk with the New Metal Agenda. Just reminding you, there's more to this genre than you could ever have dreamed possible. So make sure you're always listening to it and bugging everyone you know about it. Peace. Have yourselves a great night. And we're out.